Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. The Bible says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him. And he did eat. Then David arose. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Get Up. Mm, It's time to get up. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for a living word. I thank you, God, for allowing us to put our eyes and our hands on your word and read it and hear it. God, I pray now you'd anoint me to say only those things that would honor you, to say the things that would glorify you. Encourage us today, God. Speak to us, correct us, mold us, and change us by your living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Are these screens not going to (laughs) work? Glory to God. I've been reading Samuel, 1st and 2nd Samuel, all month, and I love this passage of the Bible. I love these two books in the Bible because it's, it's like, I don't know if it's TNT or TBS, uh, movies for guys who like movies. That's, that's, this is action-packed, and it is there to teach us. The Bible says we have these stories for our examples so that we can learn from them, and I want you to get something today. I want you to be the person that leaves here saying, I got something today from what God wanted to give me. Let me set a little background for you guys, starting all the way back in verse 13, 2 Samuel 12, 13. Still nothing? We still, we still got no nothing on the screen. Listen to the word of the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says, And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Many of you know the context, many of you know the backdrop, but let me set it for you to build some context on what's going on. David was a player. David was a a, a great, he was a man of God. The Bible says he pleased the Lord, all his ways pleased the Lord. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, but he did dirt. Amen? He did dirt at a higher level than Saul did dirt, but God honored David more than God honored Saul because David was quick to repent. When Saul was stiff-necked, David was rubber-necked. When Saul was confronted with his sin, he just stood up and said, who's going to say anything to me? I'm the king. And I'm head and shoulders above everybody. That's what the Bible says. So he felt like, hey, I'm the big dog in here. I don't have to listen to you. But David, when confronted with his sin, would spin around and run right back to God. This is what's happened. David has gone out and... Although he's got all these wives, he's got a harem, y'all. Listen, men, don't get excited about that. I've been counseling people for over 30 years. The average man can't can't take good care of one woman. Come on, ladies, tell us the truth about it. 
The average man can't keep one woman satisfied. David has a harem because when you become the new king in this culture, you inherited all the wives from the old king. That might not be a blessing because everybody ain't got the same taste. Amen? I'm t- I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I had a man working for me one time. I've been bivocational my whole life in ministry, always had additional streams of income. When I was doing lawn maintenance, I had a guy work for me. He was about five foot four and skinny as a pencil. And his girlfriend showed up one day to drop him off some money uh, so he could eat lunch with us. And this, this chick, hey, do what you do. She had to go at least 450 pounds. That ain't in my taste. And I told him, I said, man, that woman's like five times bigger than you. She will squash you. He said, bro, let me tell you, skinny woman can't do nothing. If she don't weigh at least 350 pounds, she can't do anything for me. Saul might have had that kind of taste. David, on the other hand, might have been fully awake and said, we're going to send you out. We're going to let you go. But he inherited all these wives. He had a harem of women. Yet and still, he saw one off in the distance. He said, I got to have that. And he went and he took Bathsheba. Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah who worked for David. He was in the military. And David thought, hmm, now that I already slept with this chick and got her pregnant, what am I going to do about her husband? Don't get in that bag, y'all. Do not become that dude because you can't get away with doing what David did. David said, well, I'll just send him out to the forefront of the battle and tell all of his co-soldiers all of all of his brothers in arms, when the heat battle gets hot, withdraw from Uriah and just let him die out there. So Bathsheba's husband is dead because David's doing dirt. Bathsheba's husband is dead. Bathsheba's pregnant. Bathsheba's had, had, had this baby, and David is out there not in a good way. The prophet Nathan comes to him and says, you're guilty, you're sinful, you're the man, you've done wrong. And David said, In verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. When David was confronted with his sin, he acknowledged it, he took ownership of it, and he repented of it. I want to tell you something, it don't matter how much dirt you've been doing, you need to, when God confronts you with it and lets you get woke and realize that I need to pay attention to this, you need to admit it and say, I did it. This is why David didn't die for his sins. David said, I have sinned. again." He didn't go into this, well, you know, she was a skank and she made me do it. He didn't go into justifying and blaming. He didn't go into trying to shape shift and put it off on someone else. He said, I sinned against the Lord. This is an act of contrition. This is an act of repentance. This is what God is looking for. God knows you're doing dirt. Everybody in this room is doing dirt at some level. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all got a problem. That's why I don't want to hear about so-and-so's problem. One of the reasons I don't come in here before it's time for me to preach, because I've been in my office praying, and I don't want to get caught up in a conversation like I used to have. I'm walking in to try to preach the anointed word of God and tell you what God has told me. Somebody want to pull me off to the side and say, uh, Pastor, I'm shocked. So-and-so's out there parking cars, and I know I smelled cigarettes on them. 
See, at that time, I'm all out of what, what God said to me, and I got to let them know. Well, I smell gossip and bitterness and hatred on you. And then they quit the church. They passed. Listen, they quit the church and say, Pastor, don't love people right. You gossiping about somebody driving a bus over somebody to the preacher, and you're going to say, I don't love people right? Come on now. If somebody brings gossip to you, throw them away. Gossip is garbage. Don't be their garbage can. Don't, don't let. I had somebody come to me one time and say, Pastor, I just don't know why. I just don't know why people are always coming to me. I just wish I didn't know anything bad about the people in our choir. People are always coming to me, just, just telling me all the go- gossip. And I, I just really wish I didn't. You wouldn't know it if you weren't willing to receive it. You open up your gar- garbage can and say, come on, baby, pour more in. Stop being a garbage can for gossip. I, I don't want to hear the dirt on somebody else. We all have sin. Can anybody agree with that? You need to get that if you get nothing else. David got it. He said, I sinned against the Lord. David's in his act of confession and repentance. And Nathan, the man of God, said to David, The Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Whoo! He repented, and God put away his sin. We have these stories for our example. He did dirt. He repented. God put away his sin. All right, let's see who's awake this morning. If you do dirt and you repent, guess what God's going to do? That's 100% guaranteed. That's great news for David. He, he came clean, and God said, I put away all your sin. Right back to clean before the Lord. You're not going to die. I'm not going to punish you with death, but sin has consequences. If you go out there and drive drunk and you kill someone, you can repent. God will put away your sins, but they're not coming back. If you go out there and you drive high and you crash and they have to cut your arm off when they're pulling you out from the car, you can repent. God will forgive you of your sins, but they'll call you Bubba One Arm for the rest of your life. Well, I just believe that God will just supernaturally grow it back. No, he won't. Let's, let's hear the word of the Lord. Verse 14, how be it? Listen, if the judge tells you we're not going to lock you up forever, how be it? You need to start crying on how be it. Because that means even though you're not going to die, because this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child that is born unto thee shall surely die. Let's pretend we're in Sunday night Bible study. Let's pretend we're in Wednesday night Bible study. Let's try to figure some things out. Let's talk this thing out. David does dirt. He repents. God forgives all sins, but there's still consequences to the sin. The man of God, Nathan, tells David, because of this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Why did his sin give them an opportunity to blaspheme? Are you thinking? Think about it. I'll give you the answer. Because every time you sin and people know that you claim God, every time you sin, publicly get caught, and people know that you confess God, here's what they say. Them Christians ain't about nothing. And that's blasphemy to God because you know what Christians are about. They're about God. They're about Jesus Christ. 
They say, I knew all them Christian church-going people, a bunch of hypocrites. I, I'm tired of people not coming to church because of the hypocrites. Y'all know what I'm going to say. Y'all know exactly what I'm going to say. Because the number one reason people say they don't go to church is because of all the hypocrites there. You go home with hypocrites. What's up with that? You, you go to Winn-Dixie, Publix, Walmart, there's plenty of hypocrites in there. I've never seen anybody walking out of Walmart and saying, too many hypocrites, I can't shop today. That hypocrite speech is an excuse. I told you what Charles Spurgeon said 100 years ago. He, he said, enough of your excuses. Away with them already. I would not hear your excuses. I would rather you boldly say that you hate my God and despise his son, Jesus Christ, rather than to have your excuses. Well, you can't preach like that in 2017. You have empty chairs in there. But he said, you have given them occasion to blaspheme against God because you've done this. The child also that is born unto these shall surely die. When the man of God says the child's going to die, guess what's going to happen? Look at verse 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare back to David, and it was very sick. If you have good theology, and you've been around me long enough, you can figure out some of what I'm about to say, but I'm going to break it down for you anyway. Nathan departed to his house. Nathan is the prophet. He's the preacher. He's David's pastor. He's the one speaking God into David's life. And he tells him what he tells him, and he goes home. After I get done telling y'all what I got to tell you, I'm going to go home. And you either can deal with what I say, or you can just brush it off and say, well, that don't apply to me because me and God got a hookup. No, you don't. Keep, keep listening. After Nathan gets gone, the next sentence says, And the Lord struck the child. Who struck the child? Well, I just don't believe God would do that. I just think God is love. I just think God is mercy. I just, I just think that God is everything. I think he's everything to everything, and I just think everybody's everybody, and I, I just think that it's all good, and I just think that, you know, a loving, you say he's loving and he's kind and he's gracious, but Pastor, pray for me. God, done, the devil done struck my child with lupus. Maybe. You ever think it might be God? No, Pastor, God wouldn't do that. I believe I'm, I'm, I'm too safe, sanctified, fire baptized. God, God would have told me that because, you know, God tells me everything. These people are crazy and need medication. The Lord struck the child, and the child was very sick. Oh, no, Pastor, I just believe all sickness comes from the devil. I just, I just don't believe that God would read the Bible. Stop listening to people that don't have sound theology. Listen, everybody is not fit to teach other people what God has to say. Find you a church where the man with the microphone knows the Bible. Find you a church where the man with the microphone is degreed, licensed, ordained, and educated and can tell you the truth about what the Scripture says. It doesn't take a degree in theology to read this verse and trust that the Bible is real. The Lord struck the child and the child was sick. Who made the child sick? Some of y'all can't even say it. Y'all, it's just the devil. It has to be the devil. Listen, the Lord struck the child. You don't have to be smart to understand that. Why did the Lord strike the child? Because David did dirt, and dirt has to, ha has to be 
paid for. There's consequences on dirt. Here's the thing. We've all sinned. Sin has to be paid for. There has to be a price exacted for sin. Jesus said he took all sin on him and paid our price for sin. You can accept that and say, hallelujah, thank God, I appreciate you paying my sin debt. Or you can just say, I don't believe in all that, and they want to judge me, judge me. (laughs) That's not going to work out really good for you. I thank God he paid for my sin, and I'm never going to have to pay for my sin. Verse 16 says, David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Okay. Well, if you don't notice the end of this story, it's like, get it, David. We're going to raise him up. We're going to stomp, stomp, stomp on the devil. We're going to take back what he stole from David's son. We're going to have a hallelujah party, and we're going to pray the child healthy. Listen, when God is at work, your prayers mean nothing. Oh, y'all don't like that. You can't pray over God's purpose. You can't pray over God's plan. Well, you can try. David surely tried, but God is going to do what God is going to do. David's David's doing the right thing, though. David is doing what he ought to do. David is praying. He's fasting. He's weeping. He's staying up all night praying for God to heal his child. But who struck the child? Mm. Verse 16, David Sought the child, David fasted, verse 17. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not eat, neither did he eat bread with them. The people in David's palace were used to eating with the king. The king is in deep grief, mourning. He's laying on the dirt, won't sleep in his bed. He is interceding. He is begging out to God. That's why when people tell me, Pastor, I just intercede and miracles happen. I'm just so anointed. Listen, I thank God for that. You keep interceding. But I'm going to tell you this, you don't know God like David knew God. The Bible says all David's ways please the Lord. David was the most special human being in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost didn't live inside the believer. Jesus said, I have to go away, but I'm going to send somebody to be with you. He'll be with you just like I was with you, but even more, he'll be in you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost would come on people and leave them. Come on them and leave them. David was the one exception in the whole Old Testament. God's word says the Holy Spirit came on him and never left him. David had a real deep relationship with God. And he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's praying. They can't get him up off the floor. He's praying day and night. He is fasting. He is weeping. He is all in for his child. Verse 18, and it came to pass on the seventh day, the child died. What happened on the seventh day? But David prayed. But David fasted. But David did all the right things. I have had more people than I could count on both hands come to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what we did wrong. My auntie still passed. Do you ever think maybe God was at work? Now, I'm not saying that God struck your auntie, but I'm telling you, you your prayers are not going to bend God up and make him change what he wants to do. 
We had people leave this church. When my wife died after a two-year battle from cancer, she was 36 years old, left me with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I fasted. I prayed. I sought the Lord. We had services for her. I took her everywhere. I took her to preachers I don't even believe in because we, we were just doing everything we could do. You've got to do what you can do. I took her to Benny Hinn. I took her to Joel Osteen. I took her to everybody who claimed to have an anointing to pray. We did everything we can do, and still she died. And dozens of people left the church because they were more spiritual than everyone else. And they decided something must be wrong with pastor. He can't pray his wife healthy. So man, He must have been doing dirt. He must have not had enough faith. If he had had enough faith. And I people come to me and say, Pastor, we did everything we were supposed to do. Should, maybe if we had believed better. Maybe if we had had another prayer service. Maybe if we had fasted longer. It, it, would, it would have changed everything. You don't know that. Stop telling people that. God knows what God is doing, and people left. Please, if you fast and pray for somebody, and, and especially if they're a Christian, you fast and pray for somebody and God takes them home, that's just incredible. That you, you, don't, you don't need to question God and what he's doing. This man fast prayed for seven days. He didn't eat for seven days. He laid in the dirt for seven days praying, believing. When Gail was sick with cancer, and she, the day she died, Sunday morning, 8.15 in the morning, the nurse came in. I looked at her, and I said, well, what do we do now? She said, well, you call your funeral home, and they'll come get her, and they'll give you instructions from there. I said, you got one you recommend? She said, sir, your wife has been battling cancer for two years. She, she got cancer in her colon. Her both lungs, her hip, her brain. She's in hospice. You, you, you don't have a funeral home? No, ma'am. I was never believing for my wife to die. I was believing for my wife to live. People come to me and say, if we'd have believed stronger. When you don't get a funeral home for somebody that's in hospice, you're believing pretty right for the right thing. David was believing right for the right thing. He was believing that God was going to raise his child up. But that didn't happen on the seventh day the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him. They didn't even want to go where dude was laying on the floor and say, hey, dude. It is what it is, king. The boy died. That's hard. That is hard. That is, that for a parent, that, my mother had to bury her youngest child. I preached the funeral. It's hard on a parent. They didn't even want to go in there and tell the king. Who knows? King might get to get up mad and start executing everybody. That's the, that's the world they lived in, man. Read the Old Testament. It is just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And it, it is fast moving. They feared to go in and tell him. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken to our voice. How will the then vex himself if we tell him the child is dead. They said he wasn't listening to us when the kid was living. He wouldn't get up and eat. He, he wouldn't bathe. He wouldn't get up off his face praying to God. Certainly if he didn't listen to us when, when the child was alive, now that the child's dead, he's going to go into the deepest grief ever. He probably won't ever even come up off that spot. How, how many of y'all know if you're praying for a child to get healthy, you still have hope? You, even in your grief process, you're still holding on. You're still saying, late in the midnight hour, God can work in your favor. 
Well, that didn't happen this time. So they figured that if David was so grieved in the process of hope for his child to be alive, once he finds out he's dead, dude, just going to depression for years. He ain't even going to be kinging no more. It's, it's just going to be it just, it's just something that nobody can even deal with. But look at verse 19. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. They're talking, whispering. David sees it going on. And he's like, that can only mean one thing. They're in here making noise while I'm trying to pray. That can only mean one thing. And he asked them, is the child dead? And they said, yes. Let me tell you something. I've been there, not with a child, but with people I love. And when that machine goes off, flat lines, you hold their hand as they take their last breath, and it's over, that's when you just want to fall on the ground and pray. That's when you just totally defeated, wiped out, realize your prayers didn't work, Realize that you didn't overcome anything. And everything you were believing for just got snatched out from you. That's when you go into your deepest grief. That's when you go into your deepest depression. That's when you go into your worst sorrow. Unless you're David. We have these stories for our example. If we do what they did, we can have what they had. David had a great relationship with God. David had favor. David had power. He had wisdom. He had money. David had everything that a man could want. Listen to what he did. Verse 20. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came to the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he ate. Look at this. They tell him, the kid's dead. He gets up, goes and takes that bath after seven days. I say that was necessary. Especially in a world that didn't have deodorant and good cologne. Living in the Middle East in that heat. I mean, come on, some of y'all been over there. He gets hot, don't dig in west. I mean, he gets up and he washes himself. Next phrase, you got to read the Bible. Pay attention to the punctuation. Read it phrase by phrase so you can digest it and really get to what it's saying. He gets up, first thing. If I'd had PowerPoint, I'd have, I'd have number one you. What did David do? First thing, he got up. Say, so got up. And washed. He's going back to the way he always lived. David was the king. Peasants didn't have opportunity to wash. There wasn't plumbing. There wasn't no Vereen plumbing to come install you some fixtures and some water. David got up, and he went back to his old way of life. And then the next thing he says, and he anointed himself. This is not magical, spiritual, hocus-pocus. He didn't, you know, he didn't throw oil on himself and, and, you know, speak anything into existence. If you look in other translations, he says he washed and put lotion on. He, uh, to anoint means to smear. He smeared lotion on because his skin was a little ashy after seven days of, of being out there, okay? He hadn't had, had lotion. Well, it wasn't just being out there. He hadn't lotioned himself in seven days. So he gets up, washes, lotions himself, changes his clothes, and came into the house of the Lord. If you really want 
to move forward in your relationship with God. If you really want to put, a, put the past behind you and start living again, if you really want to become all that God wants you to be, you got to get up. You got to go back to living. You got to bathe, clean yourself up. You got to put on some fresh clothes and come to the house of the Lord. This is the recipe for success. This is the formula to overcome. We have this story for our example. He came to the house of the Lord and he worshiped. We all came to the house of the Lord today. They didn't all worship, did they, Brother Jeff? We all came to church today, but we didn't all worship. Listen, when you get up and drive all the way here and you walk in the door, you, you need to just decide, I'm just not going to sit here and say, oh, I came just to come. You need to take advantage of the opportunity to worship God. You ought to open your heart up to God. You ought to pour your life out to God. When you come to church, get something out of it. This is what David did then. Y'all didn't know Bible study from Pastor Scott. Y'all know, when is then? Then is always after. After all this stuff. Then, you need to get to your then spot. You need some then in your life. You, you need to come out from where you've been and get to your then. You need to stop dwelling in your mess, and you need to move forward for what God has for you. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they sat before him, and he did eat. What is the scripture teaching us? Once your situation is dead, stop trying to speak life into it. Speak life into it while it's living. But once it dies, you got to go. Once it dies, you got to move forward. You got to go back to living. I'm not telling you what I heard. I've been in depression for a long time over lots of things in my life. I had to suffer through watching people. My, my father died. I flew all the way out to California to make sure he knew the gospel. My baby brother died. I had to stand over him and preach his funeral. My, my wife died. I had to stand there with people looking at me. My wife died at 8.15 on Sunday morning. I had to find a, a somebody to come get her. I'm all up in the phone book. I'm calling my contacts wanting to know who buried your mom. Who buried your, your, your loved one? That took several hours, but at 6 o'clock on Sunday night, 10 hours after she took her last breath, I was up on the platform dancing and praising and worshiping God, preaching on the same day. Why? Because I'm Superman? No, but because that situation was final. The curtain had closed, and when the curtain closes, you got to go back to doing what you do. Or you can just give a year, 20 years, 50 years to depression. You can just give a year, 20 years, 50 years to drugs and alcohol. You can get mad at God and say, God failed me. David never said, why, God? He washed himself. He got back to living. He got in God's house and got back to worshiping. He decided, hey, we got good food in this house. Bring me something to eat. I had nothing in seven days. Look at verse 21 because he got some confused people in the palace now. Then said his servants unto him. Now, this was a bold thing for them to say. Then said his servants unto him. <laughs> Where are we at? All this moving around got me off my field. What thing is this that thou hast done? 
Daddy, fast and weep for the child while, should say it, child not, I should say he, while he was alive. But when the child was dead, you just rise up and eat. They're like, bruh. All that crying and fasting, all that praying you was doing, all that laying in the ground, you wouldn't even come eat with us all week. Now, when all the lights are off, now all of a sudden you're good to go? What? Doesn't make sense. Now, in the natural, that's the time where he should be one left alone. In the natural, that's the time where he should be crying. In the natural, that's the time where he should be finding a, a prayer closet and getting in it. Ah, David went to the table. David said, let's get our food on. And everybody was like, yeah, this don't make sense, king. I don't understand this. But look at verse 22. Because the Bible always explains what's up. And he, David, said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? Check this out. When David had a sick son, he didn't walk around saying, hallelujah, I spoke life into my child and the devil can't have him. When David's child was sick, he did not walk around telling everybody, I know for a fact God told me he's going to raise my child up. God wouldn't take my child from me. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. When Jesus was faced with the cross and his human nature was concerned about what was about to happen. And his spiritual nature realized, I'm going to be taking Scott Becker's sin on me. I'm going to be taking Ted Bundy's sin on me. I'm going to be taking Hitler and Idi Amin's sin on me. And God, my father's going to look away from me. Jesus said, man, is God, is there any other way? God, Jesus said, God, if there's any other way, can't we do the other way? And then he said this phrase that most people remember, but they don't realize the pain that he went through to get there. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's prayer. That's prayer. Jesus didn't stand up there, I declare and I decree, no cross at Calvary. Jesus didn't stand up there and I declare and I decree, the devil can't get to me. Jesus told God what he wanted. But he realized God is in your hand. That's real prayer. David didn't stand up and declare and decree. He didn't refuse to, to, to accept it. I have literally seen people, when, when sickness comes into their house, I reject it. That ain't even sick. I was in a car one day with another preacher. He's sniffing and snotting everywhere, riding in my car. No, no handkerchief. He's taking it in his hand and wiping it on his pants. What's going to get on my seats? And so I said, what's up, Rev? You got allergies? You got cold flu? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Loose here, devil. I reject that. I am not sick. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. None of these diseases. He went through a whole litany of foolishness. And I said, okay, well, when that not being sick causes you to blow snot everywhere, make sure it don't get on my dash next time. People get on my nerves like that. David said, man, I prayed, I fasted, I wept. 
I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, 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 was, I wasn't sure. I'm just a humble man. God's in control. I, I, can't, I ain't got no power over God. I'm just humble. I'm just asking God, please help me. But I, who, I didn't know maybe God was going to be gracious to me. And the child would live. That's how you pray. You ask God seriously what's going on. You ask God for his help. You ask God to make sure he knows your heart. But you always leave the control to God. And then you don't go around asking some, some preacher or some minister or, or, or your grandmother, deaconess, prophetess, what did we do wrong? God's purpose is bigger than us. But we pray and we pour our heart out because we don't know. Maybe God will hear us and grant us what we pray for. That's why you'd come Wednesday night, you'd have known a handful of us are praying that four-point prayer that Jabez is praying, and maybe God will grant us our petition. Look at verse 23. David said, but now he's dead. Come. Comma is there to give you calls to pause. You're supposed to pause and think about that. What did David say? Now he's what? That's something to think about. Now the game's changed. The game was this, but now it's different. I was, I was here, but now I'm there. He was alive, but now he's dead. He said, why should I fast? What's that going to do? He said, can I bring him back again? This is a rhetorical question. This is a question that does not demand a response. This is a question where the answer is so obvious, he doesn't want. Listen, kids, when your parents ask you rhetorical questions, yes, sir, and your mouth closed. That's, that, that's the two things you can do. He's, not look, he's like, I can't bring him back. Why should I fast? He said this, though, and this gives hope to everyone who ever lost somebody that is in heaven small child, a confessing Christian, he said, I will go to him, but he can't come back to me. They can't come back. When something dies, that chapter's over. You can't stay stuck. Well, you can stay stuck in it for as long as you want to. Or you can realize that God gave us these stories for our example, and you can do what David did. Look at verse 24. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, comma. You got to pause on that. Think about it. Take it in. Don't rush through your reading. David is so sad for a whole seven days, he's praying his child is sick. Bathsheba is the mother of this child. How do you think she feels? Her son is dying. Her baby boy is dying. And the man of God has already told them consequences are coming. Already told them. God's going to exact payment, not from your life, but from the child. Bathsheba knows this. She's all upset. David goes in to comfort her and to lay with her. Colon. We got to stop and think about that. She's sad. He brings her comfort. You know what you ought to do for people who are sad in your family? You ought to comfort them, but leave this next part alone. Unless it's your spouse. He lay with her. Anybody need real definition on that? Children present. He had sex with her. And she bare a son. 
and he called his name Solomon. Look at this. And the Lord loved him. David and Bathsheba, dirt doers, guilty, murderers, adulterers, whoremongers, lost a child because of their dirt. Everybody in the kingdom knows it. You think church folk don't gossip? I could tell you God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Nobody would go out there and say anything. But if I told you Brother David was running a prostitution ring and that's why he's macking them suits all the time, that would get around the city that fast. Everybody knew. Everybody knew God killed Bathsheba's son. And David's because they were doing dirt. People looking down their nose at him. Surely, at that point, God must be done with them. They can't serve God no more. See, this is what people do. When, so, when somebody falls into sin and, and, and people find out, they want to throw them away. Don't throw people away for sin. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. They can still get cleaned up. You just don't have to run them off. Had another baby new life that's happy you want to see people happy babies bring joy into the world and they called his name solomon but look at that last phrase look at those last five words and the lord loved him the lord loved this baby of these dirt doers the lord loved this baby of these murderers the lord loved this baby of these people that worked a cover-up scheme to kill a man so the man wouldn't find out that she was pregnant. God takes the baby after striking him with an illness, because listen, when God strikes you, you're struck. But they have another baby, and the Lord loves him. If you don't get nothing out of this today, get this. It don't matter how much dirt you've done. If you repent, and you come to God in real truth, real truth praying, God's going to take you back, and he's going to start blessing your situation. David spent a whole week praying that God would bless his mess. But God ain't going to bless your mess. God's going to judge your mess. God's going to do what God's going to do. But when you repent, and when you come back to God, God will bless your situation. Every baby they had. See, here's what they're thinking in the natural. God's done with us. He let our baby die. If he loved us, he wouldn't have done that. And people go into their whole hate. I, I'll never, I have a letter in my credenza from a young man that I love so much. He loved my wife. He wrote me a letter, and he told me. And if I called his name, some of y'all would know him. He wrote me a letter and said, if God doesn't heal Miss Gail, I will never believe in him, and I will be done with him forever. And I said, son, why would you say that? And his theory was, if anybody was ever a real Christian, she was, and if he lets her die, I don't want to serve a God like that. I told him what I'll tell you. There's no other God to serve. So in the natural, people start thinking about giving up on God because it didn't work out for them. In the natural mind, people start wondering, maybe if I'd have prayed longer, maybe, maybe, maybe if I'd have just held hands with somebody, maybe if we just got in a circle so we could touch and agree. 
When somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I need prayer, let's touch and agree together. I, I, I need them to understand some truth. Touch and agree don't mean physically touch. That word means come, come to a place of agreement. People, people love it. let's touch and agree. I go into teaching at that point. I will pray with you. I'll even touch you. But that's not what that verse means. Study it out. See if I'm right. I'm right. The point is God loved them. In the natural mind, they're thinking God's never going to bless us. That's it. We messed up. God judges. us. It's over. Listen, as long as you're drawing breath, it ain't over. As long as you're living, God still wants to forgive you of your sins and bless your life. Verse 25 says, and he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. See, I love living in the south because it was always the southern kingdom in the Bible that God favored. Don't get mad. I know you're from Pennsylvania. Don't get upset. I know you're from New York. Don't get upset. But you say, Pastor, why, why are you so down for the south? Let me just ask you this. If some country bumpkin king names his child Jedediah, you really think he was from the north? They name, Nathan comes in and says, this boy's name should be Jedediah because of the Lord. Now, see, Jedediah means beloved of the Lord. Remember the other verse said God loved the child? That's what the name Jedediah means. Jedediah is only in the Bible twice. Now, if you ask somebody, go out and ask your, your most religious friend that don't even go to church. Go out and ask some super spiritual person that says, I, I can't receive from him because I know more than he knows. Go ahead and ask them, uh, who was Jedediah in the Bible? All right? I want you to learn something every time you come to church. So here's the thing. I'm going to ask you, who was Jedediah in the Bible? Solomon, David's son, the heir to the throne, the, the kid that came after the other kid died, the, the kid that came and everybody's thinking, well, you know God took his first one. He probably ain't going to have no luck with this one. God's ways are higher than our ways. God is able to forgive you even when your family won't forgive you. God is able to forgive you when mama and daddy forsake you. God can still be your strength. So they named him Jedediah because he was loved of the Lord. You say, well, the Bible always calls him Solomon. Well, you always call Deacon Henry Deacon Henry if that ain't his name. That's a different story for another time. Don't tell him. You told him? Didn't tell him? Your mama named you what she named you, but she might have called you something different. You really think that anybody... Y'all know Ray Ray Pookie and them out there doing dirt, right? Ray Ray Pookie and them. I had somebody come to me finally. They've been in the church for years. Who is in them? It's Ray Ray. That's one person. Pookie and them. They literally asked me, who is in them? No, baby. Ray Ray Pookie and them. You know Ray Ray Pookie and them out there doing dirt. You know their mama did not name that child Pookie. And just because you got a cousin 
fresh out of Newark that has Pookie on his driver's license, that's an exception, okay? You can, you, can be name, you can be named something and people call you something else. Solomon's name is Jedediah and Solomon. We know him more accurately. We know him more commonly by the name Solomon. When God changes your name, and I don't have time to preach this because I'm going to let you out early today. When God changes a name, God changed the name in the Bible for less than five people. And every time God changed their name, it stuck, and the old name vanished. Abram was changed to what? Abraham. Saul was changed to what? Okay, we're going somewhere. God changes Solomon's name to what? Slash country bumpkin. God changed names of people, and the name God hung on them always stuck. And the name God hung on them always had a large significance. The name God hung on them always meant something big and was a declaration of God's covenant to them. I don't have time to preach this whole thing. You know, if I was one of the other preachers preaching 20-minute sermons, I'd make a five-part message out of this, but I don't do part messages. So I do whole messages because I'm, I'm not trying to preach sermonettes to Christians that smoke cigarettes because they ain't been delivered yet. I'm trying to preach real sermons to real Christians who want to grow. Anybody there with me? Amen. Sermonettes for Christianettes still smoking cigarettes, eating in dinettes because they ain't been delivered yet, wouldn't sit in church this long. I'm not going to make a five-part series out of this. I'm not going to preach all of it. But listen, the name stuck on all those other people for their whole life. And they did amazing things for the Lord. It's incredible. I mean, who outpaced Abraham in the Old Testament? Nobody's. Abraham, right now, today, in 2017, is the father of all major religions. The three major religions in the world all recognize Abraham as their father. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, all of them recognize Abraham. None of them recognizing Abram. That name stuck, and they all did great things. Everybody that's saved recognizes Saul as Paul. Everybody talking about, if I ask, who is the man that God used to write half the New Testament? Who is the man that wrote more? God inspired to write more books in the New Testament. Everybody would yell out Paul. Not one single person in the room would say Saul. But what was his name? His name was Saul. God flipped him to Paul, and it was big, and it stuck. Okay, so they named this kid Solomon. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. God, the Bible says even in Solomon, if you remember the last words on the screen when Solomon was named, it said, and the Lord loved him. So God was cool. God loved Solomon. But when the man of God came in and said, God told me y'all need to change his name, y'all need to call him Jedediah because of the Lord, because this means that he's loved of God. He needs to go with that. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm not going to preach a sermon, but I believe this with all my heart. If we knew Solomon, by Jedediah, Solomon's end would be, Jedediah's end would be different than Solomon's end. I'm not going to flower it up and preach the whole message. I'll just tell you this. Solomon, at the end of his life, turned away from God. Solomon, at the end of his life, gave up on God. Solomon, at the end of his life, blasphemed God because the Bible says he had many wives that did not worship the Lord and his heart grew against God and he followed the gods of his wives. Don't hang around unsafe folk. Solomon living in David's house. 
Solomon knows about God. Solomon knows God. Solomon, the Bible says, the wisest man that ever lived. The wisest king, the Bible says, the wisest man that had ever lived and would ever live. Elon Musk got nothing on Solomon. No genius in the world was the dude in the chair. Hawking, Stephen Hawking, got nothing on Solomon. But Solomon forsook God. Abraham didn't forsake God. Paul didn't forsake God. Sarah didn't forsake God. All those names stuck. Jacob didn't forsake God. God changed his name to Israel. But see, here's the, here's the catchy thing about Jacob. Jacob changed his name to Israel. But when you talk about uh, the, the son, the, who the God of our forefathers is, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Every time. Nobody ever said, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. God changed his name to Israel. Israel didn't fully stick. And that boy had problems. Listen, when God calls you something, stay with what God calls you, not what other people call you. They stuck Solomon on this boy, and that's what he lived by for all of his life. God wanted to call him Jedediah, Jedediah because God wanted him to remember every time he heard his name. God loves him so much. Solomon didn't have that kind of promise. God loved him. But God would have had a different plan for his life if he had stayed with Jedediah. What does the world call you? What do people call you? You ever done dirt and folk know about it? Oh, they, you know, that's my cousin did three years. That, that's who that person is now to you? That's your cousin that did three years? Oh, uh, that's, the, you know... Uh, Sister so-and-so, she's just a gossip. <laughs> you right there with her. But that's how you recognize her? See, I grew up in a home with a stepfather. My sister testified. He was the most verbally abusive man I've ever known and the most physically abusive man I've ever known. And I preached his funeral a couple months ago because he asked me to before he died. And I didn't stand up there and tell everybody how mean he was, but he, he was a mean man. And he told us stuff every day, stupid ignorant worthless bad excuse for life he tells every day you're so stupid you, you you ain't smart enough to pour pee out of a hat before you put it on your head i always want to know why is anybody peeing in the hat <laughs> you couldn't ask him anything without getting punched in the face so i just never figured it out and i ain't googled it yet i had to google it today <laughs> the world can see you as one thing but you need to concentrate on the way God sees you. The world can see you as one thing, but you need to concentrate on what God says about you. We've all done dirt. We've all done sin. We've all messed up. We've all got stuff that people could point and say about us. And it might even be true. If your cousin's the one that did three years, then he did three years. But God doesn't judge people like that. The Bible says God loves his children. The Bible says that God longs to bless us. You need to stop seeing yourself as the past and start seeing yourself the way God sees you. You got to get this. Because there's nothing that holds people back from pursuing God and walking in God's favor than them allowing people to tell them who they are. You can't tell me who I am. 
unless you say about me what God says about me. I am a child of God. I am blessed by God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. God has forgiven me for all my sins. I don't have to walk. You Stop walking with your head down. Walk with your head up and know that the God of the Bible loves you more than everybody else hates you. you got to get to the place in your life where you don't let the past hold you anymore. Some of y'all have had abortions. Years ago, you hadn't got over it. Still stuck in your mind with that. Let me tell you something. If you ask God to forgive you, he already forgave you. You don't have to dwell on that anymore. You are clean in the name of the Lord. Some of y'all did dirt like David. Went and knocked some chick up. That you weren't married to. If you did dirt, if you've done that, if you've been a whoremonger and adulterer, confess it to God. Because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how much dirt you've done. It doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter. You, you, you could be just as tatted up and earringed up. You can be just as thugged out. You can have 24 rims on your navigator that say player on them and still be a pastor. People look at you and they want to confess things about you. Even if they're true, that don't make it who you are. One last verse I'm going to give you. Philippians 3.13. Can we get that? Paul was a great Christian. Paul was over all the churches in Asia. Paul was the man. He Middle East, everywhere Paul went, he was the top dog. Philippians 3.13. And people thought, this dude hung the moon. This dude, the people in Philippi thought that he'd already attained perfection. And he had to tell them, look, yeah, I'm the pastor, I'm the bishop, but I haven't obtained perfection yet. I, I, I'm in my process just like you are. And he said this, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I haven't fully got hold of all this stuff, but this one thing I do. You see where between a colon and a comma, there's a phrase? When it's all set by punctuation like that, should we pay attention? Yes, we should. We should pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It's going to help you understand. And Paul said, this one thing I do. Listen, if you're blessed, Coach Marvin puts you in a camp. Co Co Coach Green can put you in a basketball camp, teach you a lot about basketball. He knows a lot about basketball. He's a phenomenal basketball coach and trainer. If he got you in a summer camp and him and some of his assistant coaches are teaching you, you need to listen to what he's saying. But if Kobe Bryant walks in and, and Coach Green says, you want to talk to my kids, Kobe? And Kobe says, y'all, I ain't got time to be here long, but I want to tell you the one thing I did to become the player I was. You think basketball players should listen to that? He said, this is one thing. This is the one thing. If I were to tell you the one key to my financial success, you ought to listen to that. If I tell you, listen, I, there's one thing I do to be the man God wants me to be. That's time to wake up and listen. What did he say? Forgetting those things which are behind. Comma. Think about that. 
What is the thing that I do? I forget the past. Why? Paul has done more dirt than everybody in this room combined. Paul has offended God more than everybody in this room combined. Paul has done more dastardly things than everybody in this room combined. How can you say that, Pastor? Because when Paul was Saul, he was killing Christians. He was going around locking people up. I've heard people say, oh, I can't receive from that pastor anymore because I, I, I heard blah, 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 blah. Could you imagine sitting in a church service in the first century? Your pastor gets so excited because the man of God, the tower of power too sweet to be sour, the angel of love, here he comes. Our guest speaker, the man that God has sent us for instruction. Paul of Tarsus. Half the crowd's looking at this dude. He killed my mom. Half the crowd's looking at this dude. He locked up my children. My brother's still in jail off this dude. Now he's out here preaching about Jesus. My brother's still locked up. They're going to execute my brother next week because this dude put him in jail to be killed. Now he's going to preach to me. I've been sitting in the church, but he was out there doing, listen, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how much dirt somebody else did, if you don't forgive people, they may be wrong, but you're in the wrong. If you don't forgive people, they might have done bad, but you're doing bad. You can't change what they've done, but you can take, you can take ownership of what you're doing. The Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. Everybody in this room ought to release everybody and forgive everybody that's ever hurt them. He said, I forget those things. He ain't still studying about all the people he killed. He ain't still beating himself up. When I was lost, I, 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 locked, I, did, I did bad things. I persecuted the name of Jesus. He's not still studying. All. He's not letting the devil come to him and say, how can you serve God after you put all those people in jail just for being a Christian? He's not letting the devil in his head. He's not letting the people in the church look at him sideways because he's the one that stoned their grandmother. He realizes it's a new day. It's a new season. I ain't who I used to be. I'm different now. You think you know me? You knew the old me, but I got a new me right now. Forget that thing that's behind me. And reach forth to those things ahead of me. If you're a real believer, you believe that God is real. and You believe that he's got a plan for you. You believe that he is a loving, merciful, forgiving God, and it doesn't matter how much dirt you've done. You holding somebody in your anger because they cheated on you, because they committed sin on you, everybody has sinned. Forgive people. Forget what's been done and start doing better. He wasn't living for what was done. He was living for what was coming. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget what's behind. Forget what you did wrong if you have confessed that and you're ready to do right. Forget what people think about you when you know what God says about you. They say you're dirty, but God says you're clean. 
They say you're bad, but God said though your sins be as scarlet, he'll make them white as snow. They say that you're guilty, but God says you're not guilty anymore because Jesus paid your debt. They say they don't believe in you, but God believes in you, and that's why you're still breathing. They say that you're evil, but God says you're his child. Hallelujah. 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 Stop being bound to what you did and get on with what God wants you to do. This was Paul's one big thing. This was his speech. This the dude that knew everything. He knew everything in the natural, and he knew everything in the spiritual. God says he didn't call many wise, many noble, many mighty people. He called the lower, the lower segment. But Paul was one of those not many. Paul was born into wealth and privilege, a citizen of Rome, but also a Jew. He, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He, was, he had the greatest credentials that there were. He was sat at the feet of the best teachers that ever lived. This dude had money. He had education. He came from the right family. He knew all the natural stuff. When he wanted to preach to Greeks, when he wanted to talk to unbelievers about their pagan gods, he knew all their rhymes, rituals, and poems. He could talk to them in their own language. This dude was sharper than to anything. But when he became saved, God set a plan on him bigger than everybody else's plan that was alive. He was the bishop. He was the overseer. And he wasn't worried one second about what people thought about him. You get bogged down in that. He wasn't worried for one second about what he had done because he was too busy living in the now. So I want to ask you this in closing. Are you living in your past or are you living in the now? You cannot pursue your present if you're living in your past. God wants you to move forward, but you can't move forward until you do this one thing. you got to forget everything that's behind you. That was yesterday. Today is the day of the Lord. This is the day that God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is what David said in the Old Testament. Greatest dude going on two feet in his time for Old Testament people. This is what Paul says in the New Testament. Greatest dude on two feet in his time. This is the formula for being all that God wants you to be. David was all shook up and sad when something he loved was dying. But when it was over, it was over. And he moved on. People didn't understand. You know what they said. He must not love that child. Look at him. He's eating. The child just died. You go to the banquet table. What's wrong with you? They made all types of false thoughts about him. But he just kept moving. He said, while it was alive, I had hope for it. But once it died, it was over. I had to move forward. Whatever has died in your life, 
Put it behind you and move forward. Some of you still worrying about divorces. That thing's dead. Some of y'all still worried about broken promises. That's gone. Some of y'all worrying about what somebody did to you. That, that issue is a dead issue. No matter how much you whine and complain about it, they can't go back and undo it. That's what I tell people in marriage counseling. You're still holding this person victim. I get it that you're mad, but they can't go back and undo it. Are you going to love them today, or are you going to hate them for then? There's people still not having joy in their marriage over something that happened 15 years ago. You can't let go of what happened. You should have divorced her. You should have left him. The Bible says if they cheated on you and you can't forgive them, you leave. That's what Jesus said. You chose to stay, shut up and get to being married. You chose to stay, shut up and get to living with that person. What in your life have you really, really hoped for and it didn't happen? You can be natural and you can choose to be angry over it. You can choose to ask God why. You can stop serving a God like that. There's no other one to find. Or you can say what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Please stop blaming everything on the devil. That is ridiculous. The devil messed with my finances. The fact that you're buying two gallons of liquor every month, that, that ain't messing with your finances. Have y'all seen the price of a half gallon of liquor lately? The Lord is messing with my mind. Yeah, the, the devil got me thinking about cheating on my spouse. Oh, that three hours of pornography you're watching every night, uh, uh, is you watching that or is the devil watching that? Flip Wilson said the devil made me do it, but that's just a lie. The Bible says that when we do it, we do it because we're drawn away by our own lusts. Stop blaming it on your spouse. Stop blaming it on somebody else. Stop, stop. My, well, my childhood. Yes, my father had me doing that. My father took me to a whorehouse when I was 50. So what? You can't change that. That chapter is closed. And when that thing died, that dream that you had died, and God has no intention of resurrecting it, but you're still miserable over it, there's no cure for you. No cure for you. If you won't move forward from that dead dream, there is no cure for you. You need to stay in your marriage and fix it. You need to stay in your relationship and forgive it. You need to fix everything you can and move forward. How do you fix everything you can? I've said it for years. I'm going to say it in close. We are all only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. One prayer. When Nathan came to David and said, you are guilty, David said, you're right, man, I sinned. It's, it's on me. And he asked God to forgive him. He didn't have to go into some six-month program of let's see if we can trust him. Churches, we're going to set you aside for the next year to make sure you, what? That's not God. That's ignorant people. Because God said you're one prayer away. David prayed that one prayer. Have you? All you got to do is confess your sin to God. He'll forgive you because God is better than people. 
People won't always forgive you, but God will. You won't always forgive yourself, but God will. Solomon should have called himself Jedediah. When he got old enough and Nathan told him when you were born, your mom and daddy named you that Solomon name, but God told me to tell them to name you Jedediah. Solomon should have walked around and said, I'm Jedediah because God loves me. You need to walk around whatever name you got. You just need to let people know, my name is Scott Becker and God loves me. You ought to get that in your head. If I was one of them churches that wanted to emotionalize you, we could have a, we could have a big invitation right now. And everybody want to put their past behind them and walk forward in, the, in their newness of life and in God's. We just have it covered up. Anybody think we'd have it covered up? We just have it covered up in here. You don't have to walk this aisle to make a decision for Christ. You don't have to shake a preacher's hand to get real with God. God says if you call on his name, he will save and for, forgive you for everything. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe about you what God says about you. You are not good enough to forgive yourself for everything. So you got a choice to make. You're going to believe the negative, critical voice in your head, or are you going to believe that God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased? You pleased God today. You came to church. God smiles on obedience. The Scripture declares that. Everything about life is a choice. God says, I give you a choice, a blessing or a curse. A blessing if you obey me and do what I say. A curse if you rebel against me and don't do what I say. Well, God said to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some other people do. You did not forsake this assembly today. I want you to give God praise for allowing you to be here. You did what God said to do. That's victory. You obeyed God. That's victory. Hallelujah. You need to move forward in your victory and let go of your defeat. You need to move forward in what God has for you and let go of the past. That baby died. God is not going to resurrect that thing. You can whine about it forever. You can move on. I want you to move on. I want to move on. I want to let go of everything that tries to bind me. I, I want to get negativity out of my head. I want to be released from every person that ever spoke evil about me. I want, I want to move forward from what happened in my childhood and what happened in my adulthood. I want to forget everything that happened to me before I stood here right now leaning on this podium. God says he loves us. Let's believe that. God says, I got a plan for you. Don't you, Uncle Ken? Uncle Ken's favorite verse in Jeremiah, God said, I know the thoughts I have about you. Good thoughts, not evil thoughts. A plan to prosper you and give you success. A plan to give you hope and a future. The devil wants you to think you're out. You're not out. I see you in. You're in right now. You're in the house of the Lord. You need to choose. You need to pray right now, and you need to ask God to release you. Somebody asked me one time. Well, they didn't really ask me. They condemned me. And they said, you ought to quit talking about your dead wife, seeking pity from people and try, trying to get people to, to care about you. 
if you know me at all, I ain't seeking your pity. Everybody that ever asked me if they could do something for me got the same answer. I'm all right. I don't, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need your pity. I'm going to keep talking about the, the people that I love. I'm not going to stop doing that. But what I'm not going to do is stay stuck in the memory of something that's already died. I got to move forward. You got to move forward. We're still the living, and we got to live in this life. We got to live in today. God's got a plan for you today, and you need to let go of the past and get on it. Let's pray. God, thank you for letting us be survivors. Thank you, God, for letting us survive everything we've come through to get to this place. And God, I pray in this place of life that there would be newness. God, you said that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I pray we would wake up and realize it's a good day because you love us. God, I pray that you would help us to overcome negativity, every evil thought, and every evil word. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that we would glorify you in all that we do. God, I pray for the people in this room that are unsaved. I pray that they would call on you and you would save them by your grace. God, I pray for everyone in this room who is a Christian, Lord. I pray that you would remind them today that what you say about them is good and not evil. Thank you, God, for having a plan for us. Thank you for loving us in spite of our dirt, God. We vow to love you back. We vow to serve you, to honor you, and to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.